Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, it's your perspective when it comes to Thanksgiving. It's really how you choose to look at it. And so today, we're not going to have necessarily a, a passage of Scripture that we open up to and, and go verse by verse. Today, we're going to have a lot of Scripture because the Word of God is full of illustrations to help us understand what we're going to call in this first sermon of this new series, a process. A process of learning an attitude of thanksgiving. Does the Bible teach us that there is a way that we can learn to give thanks to the Lord at all times? Is there a way for us to look at our lives as being blessed and, and overwhelmingly blessed with many abundant blessings versus looking at our life and some of the things that maybe aren't so good? You know, when you learn this attitude of gratitude, when, when this becomes a virtue in your life, then it begins to take place in your life without you even recognizing it. It becomes a part of your DNA. I mean, no longer are you overcome with a, 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 an overabundance of negativity and murmuring and criticism and woe is me. But, but all of a sudden, without even realizing it, as you allow this process to overtake you, then what happens is, you begin to live a life of gratitude day in and day out. And, and people begin to notice something different about you. You know, that person is just has a heart full of thankfulness regardless of the circumstances. And so let's begin journeying our way through this process. Does the Bible really have a way that we can do this? Can we accomplish this as a church family? Can we go to another level of praise, another level of worship, another level of gratitude for all that God has done? I believe we can Beginning with this, number one, it all begins with reviewing our past. We've got to look back and review what God has done in our lives. Isn't that so true? Let me give you first a few examples of that in Scripture. First of all, in Psalm 103, verse 2, it says this, To bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Don't forget all the benefits. God has done all of these things for you, and, and don't forget these things. It'll really help you to bless the Lord. You will really want to praise God wherever you are, in any circumstance, if your memory's working. Number two, Psalm 103, verse 5. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. Here are all these good things that God has done. He's been so good to me. And what I need is I need, I need to remember from my youth, from the time I was a child, the things that God has done. I need, I need a renewal in my heart and spirit of thanksgiving. 1 Samuel 12, 24. Only fear the Lord. Only. And serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider. Think about all the great things He's done for you. Consider it. And then I love this, Psalm chapter 30 and verse 4. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His. So if you're a saint of God, if you're a Christian, sing unto the Lord. Why? And give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. This is something very important. You see, there's something unique and important about memory in the process of thanksgiving. God puts an emphasis on it. He says, here's an ordinance. An ordinance we're going we're to observe in the church. Every church is going to observe this ordinance. It's the, it's the Lord's Supper. And, and before you take 
the, the bread, before you consume that bread, before you take the juice and consume the juice, before you remember my body that was broken for you and my blood that was spilt for you, I want you to do this in what? Remembrance. I want you to do this as often as you need to. If you were at our last Lord's Supper service, it was incredible. I've had more people in our church in 23 years. I've had more people come to me after that service and say, Preacher, wow, we really believe we accomplished what Jesus said in Scripture. We thought back to 2,000 years ago and we remembered And it it, it caused us to praise and thank Him with all of our hearts. You see, there is something about reviewing our past. Giving thanks for what God has done. And thanksgiving is memorizing. It's memorizing the things that God has done for you in the deepest parts of your heart. You know, we need to avoid selective memory and amnesia when it comes to God's abundant blessings. You know, maybe there's an exercise that we can come up with that would be useful to us in trying to do this. So I'm going to go ahead and teach you right now a way that that you can, uh, something you can practice, something you can do. uh, And it works. It's worked for me for a long time. And I'm just going to share with you something that has helped me to review my past. And as we begin to walk through this sermon today, you'll see how this is a, a step That could be very helpful to many of us here in this building this morning. So number one, let me give you this little practice. This is a little, just a little hint of how you can do this. First of all, take a piece of paper and make a list of all the good things you have. Despite the problems in your life. So I'm going to take a piece of paper every day of my life. I'm going to do this in the morning time. I'm going to take a piece of paper. I'm going to write four, five, two, three, ten, one things, something that God has been good to me. Yes, I've got problems. Yes, I've got some burdens. Yeah, there are things in my life that are somewhat heavy. But wait a minute. Despite uh, that, I'm going to write this down. So, so let's, let's do that right now. Is there someone, hey, in spite of the problems, you're thankful for this? Jordan, can you, what's, what's something, just anything? You're, you're, no, I'm thankful for this. I'm champion Christian college. Good answer on college for a weekend, right? Just thankful for a college. Thankful for a place to go where we learn the Bible and we train for ministry. And it's, you know, here in the midst of a local church family. That's great. All right. All right. Let's just see somebody else here. Jason. Jason Ogle, what would something, despite the burdens, the problems, the things that happen in, in everyday living, what's something you're thankful for? Family. Wow. Tracy and Trenton and Megan. I'm thankful for my family, Carol Ann and the boys and the girls and, and your children, right? Thankful for that. That's good. Despite the problems, I'm, I'm thankful for that. All right, one, one, one more. Um, let's see here. How about um, John? John, something you're thankful for in spite of some of the burdens of life? Your wife. Hallelujah. Good answer. Good answer thankful for my wife you know children are are gone and out of the house and it's just it's just me and her you know and i'm thankful i've got someone to share life with bridget something you're thankful for hot water isn't that good 
you know, we, we just laugh because it was unique, but in all honesty, it was a good, good way for us to balance all of these blessings out because sometimes the bigger ones are more noticeable. But what about just, just waking up this morning? I, hey, I took a shower and I, I love, I love to step in it. And by the way, I turned it on. You like this? I turned it on for, for at least a minute, right? You know, because you got to get that, you want to get that hot water going. You, wanna, you don't want to walk into a cold shower. You want a hot, hot, hot water. All right, number two. After you do that, in your mind, imagine each one of these things being taken away from you. You've got to stop. It's really not easy to do this. You have to look on that piece of paper and scratch it out. So, I'm going to scratch out champion. I don't have it. It's closed. It, it, it didn't make it. It just, it's not around anymore. I don't have the college. I don't know how this happened, Jason. I don't know what happened. If it was a car accident. I don't know if it was a freak thing, but you don't have your wife and kids anymore. Scratch them out. Take them away. John, you're alone. You're a widower. Bridget, the hot water heater is broken. No water. All right, that's, that's step number two. Step number three. Are you ready? Let's practice this. Thirdly, look on the screen. Imagine what life would be like without them. So I've scratched them out. Now I'm going to take a moment, and, and this is really hard. Sometimes when I do this, whew, my heart beats fast. I weep because I'm going to imagine. I'm not just going to do. I'm going to stop and think. Life without Caroline, life without my kids, life without all these blessings. Then number four. Pay close attention to number four. Because when you fully realize the emptiness, gradually give these things back to you. Count your blessings, name them one by one. So gradually, don't do it all at one time. Gradually, right on that champion. My family, one at a time. Tracy, my wife, Megan, my daughter, Trenton, my son. You know, one by one. Add these things back to your life, you see. Sandra, add her back, John. She's back now. The hot water heater's back, amen. <laughs> one by one. And I can assure you by doing these things, it will stimulate Thanksgiving. It'll wake it up. What was dormant will come alive. Because you'll realize, wow, God, I couldn't imagine life without these things. You know, we hired a young man years ago by the name of Chantha. Chantha is a strange name, isn't it? Chim. Chantha Chim. He's from, he was from Cambodia. And, and some of you remember Chantha. Many of you do not. He'll be here, Lord willing. Lord willing, Chantha will be here visiting in a couple of months and spend some time at Gospel Light. Trying to work that out. Chantha was a very talented young man. About 13 years ago, he's been, he's been in Singapore. He left our church to go to the mission field. So Chantha started Crosslight Church in Singapore. They're baptizing people. They're having about 100 in attendance. It's an amazing church. I've been there and seen it, preached in it. It's incredible, right out of this church. In fact, Chantha talked to me. Uh, last week and said, I really want to come back. He said, and he said, here's why. Does Gospelite know that 
that we are gospel light in Singapore? Do they know that, preacher? Do you think they really? I said, I don't know. I have no idea if they know that. He said, well, I need to come back and make sure they understand that I left that church to go do the same thing you're doing here. And you're my biggest supporters financially. He said, think about that. So 13 years ago when we were needing, our church was needing to do some stuff with graphic design and media. And we just didn't have anybody that could do that. So I was out preaching in this church, and, and, and this guy was going to college named Chompa, and, and they said he was really talented in, in this area. And he was like a freshman or a sophomore, so, you know, I knew he had a couple more years, and so I didn't, you know, I, I didn't mess with it then. But I thought, well, that's a sharp kid. You know, he'd probably be really, well, by the time he becomes a senior, word gets out that, you know, he's, he's, he wants to go serve in a church somewhere. So I flew out to California to interview him and to offer him a position when I got there, the president of the college he attended made sure to let me know how successful he had become in the Silicon Valley. He worked for Google. Yes, the original Google, a multi-billion dollar company. And Chanta had become somewhat successful as a student. As a full-time student there, he was making over $40,000 a year training for ministry and working for Google. Google had understood he was graduating and looking for a ministry, so they, they put a six-figure offer on the table, over $100,000 for, for Chantha to stay with Google, stay with the company. So the president's telling me this. I'm thinking, Hot Springs, Arkansas, for a church on the corner of 3rd and South, where we were in a really rough neighborhood and the I thought, well, I'll, I'll ask since I'm out here, but he needs to probably go somewhere, more money, or, or maybe just stay here for a few years and make that kind of money. So they gave us a boardroom to meet in. I'll never forget this. 13 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. So Chomp and I are alone in this boardroom, and I'm giving, him the, I'm giving him the pitch. You know, I'm letting him know about beautiful Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm selling all the good things, right? And there are many good things. And I'm talking to him about the church, and I'm letting him know what, you know, what, what his position would be and, 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 and all these things. And, and then I, I come to, to, my presentation was very impressive up to that point, but now it's time to talk about what we would pay him, which would be less than he's making as a Bible college student. And nowhere near six figures, we've never paid anybody that, even today. And so I, I said, uh, you know, John, I said, um, I need to talk to you about, you know, your package now. And I said, uh, I'm a little hesitant because, and I started stuttering. You know, I'm like, I, you know, I just, I, I, I've been told, you know, kind of what you're, you know, and, and hey, it, you know, I, I wouldn't blame you if you, you know, and that's kind of how I was doing it, you know. And I just lost all confidence in my presentation because of what the president had told me he was going to be making. So Chompa, this 21-year-old student, looked at me and said, uh, Mr. Capace, I don't mean to disrespect you. But he said, are you insinuating that I would make this decision based on money? It's like that. He, I said, well, I, you know, I, I, I just, I, honestly, I wasn't quite, I, you know, I mean. He said, do you know my story? And I said, what's what story? He said, Mr. Capace, he said, I lived in Cambodia 
when the Khmer Rouge was alive in the killing fields. He said, as a child, I watched five of my siblings killed. Five of my brothers and sisters killed, disintegrated. Their, their bodies and bones are in the sand, the dirt of Cambodia. He said, to escape the killings, my mother smuggled us in a boat, in a little river raft. And we went across the ocean and came to Long Beach, California. I lived in the poorest ghetto of ghettos you can imagine in the city of Long Beach. In fact, when he lifted up his pant leg and showed me a bullet hole through his leg, I was in a drive-by shooting where somebody drove by and shot a bullet, and a stray bullet almost killed me. So I moved from Cambodia, the killing fields, and I almost got killed in Long Beach. And then somebody knocked on my door. He said, Mr. Capace, they knocked on my door, and they invited me to a Christian church. And I went on a bus. And I got to the church and I heard the gospel that I had never, ever heard before. And as a little boy, I walked the aisle, Mr. Capace, and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. You see, Mr. Capace, I should have been dead with my siblings in Cambodia, but I'm not. I'm alive and I'm living for Jesus and I want to work for a church somewhere and I want you to know I don't care what I make. In fact, if you do, if you are offering me a job, I'd like to accept without knowing what I'm going to make. And I looked at him and I said, and it was just as silent as it is in this room. And I just said, Chanta, I'm so sorry. He goes, no, no problem. He goes, you didn't know. He said, you see, I realize where I've come from and how blessed I am. And I want to serve God the rest of my life. Wow. There's a young man that knew to re review his past. Never forget what God brought him from and where he is today, regardless of the circumstances. That's what I'm talking about today. And when we review our past, then let me tell you what happens. Number two, we begin to refocus our present. By reviewing our past, all of a sudden, things begin to appear differently. The, the, the gray becomes a little more visible, and we're like, okay, all right. I, maybe Thanksgiving is something that, that I really don't quite understand like I should. You see, in Scripture, there are over in different forms and fashions and ways 136 ways of saying thank you in the Word of God. It's very important. In fact, as we refocus our present, let me give you a few of those times. Psalm chapter 30 and verse 12. Check it out. To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. Oh my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. I mean, just, just take that one verse in for a moment and run with it. That one verse, but let me give you another one. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness, to show it. Let people see it in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer, let us offer in this building, in this room, this morning, the sacrifice of praise to God continually, 24-7. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You've opened my eyes. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Let him, let him hear it from your lips. Verse, Psalm 69, verse 30. I will praise the name of God with a song. 
and magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 105, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known. Make it known right now in the present. Make known his deeds among the people. Psalm 75, verse 1. Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee, do we give thanks. For, thy, for that thy name is near and thy wondrous works declare. And then finally, the ever so known verse. 1 Thess 5, 18. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. Do you feel in your heart right now that maybe in the first 10 or 12 minutes of this sermon, do you feel in your heart that you're beginning to get this already? Are you getting it? Can you see where we just lose focus? Helen Keller was blind. Helen Keller learned this, and I love this. She learned that it was impossible to be negative and grateful at the same time. What a lesson to learn. It's impossible. It just can't happen. You cannot be negative and grateful at the same time. See, she discovered that when you're grateful, you are not angry. When you're grateful, you're not bitter. When you're grateful, you're not resentful. When you're grateful, you're not critical. When you're grateful, you're not judgmental. When you're grateful, you're not vengeful. Now, this doesn't mean that grateful people can't become angry. It just means this, they can't become both at the same time. Even though grateful people can become angry, sad, depressed. If their gratefulness is firmly rooted in the core of their life, they can't stay angry. They can't stay sad. They can't stay depressed for very long. It's true. Sometimes we get in those moments, don't we? You ever been there? Where just, you're just sort of getting angry? And you realize it's probably not going to be healthy. And, and, and before long, you're going to lash out at somebody. It's just going to get ugly. And, and the truth of the matter is, if you stop right there and realize that what I need to do to get the anger out is I just need to be thankful. You know what? God's good. I mean, I live in, a, I live in America, a free country. I, I've got food to eat, clothes to wear. and I'm saved. And I've got a wife that loves me. Hallelujah. Guess what that anger just did? Took off. Depression. Just depression. You know, I... I Got a ticket today. You know, good night. I didn't, but if I did, I got a ticket today. I said, you're not stupid. I, what he could be doing. Look at all these people out there doing it. And here I am. Come on. I guess we've all felt that before. Well, you know what? At least he's doing his job and trying to get folks to slow down. And I probably have spent a whole lot of times when I didn't get caught. And truth of the matter is, I'm alive today. I didn't get in an accident. And maybe God knew something that this was helping me to not, I don't know, but I'm just going to say, thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Guess what just happened? That depression and sadness just went away. See, Thanksgiving's powerful. And if we refocus our present, listen, ultimately, gratefulness will gain control. And refocus our minds. Number three. So after you review your past. And go through that practice I gave you. And then you refocus your present. Then thirdly you want to restore. Or you begin to restore your perspective. You begin to realize like the video. It's not about the glass being half empty or half full. It's about the glass. I've just got a glass. I'm just thankful for my life. I'm thankful today for the things that God has done. Listen to this verse in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. As ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith 
as you've been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. I mean, like, because you're rooted in Christ, and because of what you've been taught, you are about to blow up with thanksgiving. You, I mean, hey, it's hard just to even stay quiet. It's hard to stay seated. It's hard to keep your hands down. I mean, it's just like, yes! Thank you, Jesus! Woohoo! Man, God's good. You see, that's what happens when we begin to put things in the proper perspective. You see, the Bible gives a clear impression that a grateful Christian is the norm and an ungrateful Christian is abnormal. Let me just say something today. If you're generally negative, that's just, that's abnormal for a Christian. If you're somewhat of a critical person, really, that's strange because that's just not what Christians do. Huh. You see, it's just normal for Christians to be grateful and thankful. It's normal for Christians to, in spite of the difficulties, it's, it's normal for the Christian in a trial to say, hallelujah, God is good. See, I'm not so much getting you to necessarily question, well, does that mean I'm not a Christian? Although, let the Holy Spirit do its work and may every man be convinced in his own mind. What I'm trying to get you to do is realize that it's normal to be thankful if you're saved. It's normal to lift your hands in praise. That's normal. It's normal to say, thank you, Jesus, with your lips. That's normal. It's abnormal to be critical. It's abnormal. If you're a Christian, it's abnormal to, to, to judge. It's abnormal to, to be angry and frustrated. That, that's not, that's abnormal. That's not becoming of a Christian. Every believer should excel when it comes to giving thanks. We should practice gratitude day in and day out. It should be one of our greatest strengths. All of us. Every one of Well, I'm just not that way. You don't have an option, sir. It's not optional. You know, this is not something you can say, well, I just, you know, I, I'm just not a thankful person, okay? Well, just say I'm not saved or something. I mean, just get down to the core of the problem. I mean, honestly, is that just not how you are? Because that's how Christians are. Christians are thankful. We realize what we deserve, and that's hell. But by the grace of God, we don't have to go there. He showed us mercy. And so it's just kind of normal to be thankful for that in spite of the things we go through. Too often we're depressed about what remains to be done instead of thankful for what has been done. You see, praising God for what? He has done for us spills over into the relationships we have. That's that overflow. It just spills over. We must always be aware that no matter what we don't have, we have more to be thankful for than we could ever imagine. Isn't that true? So let's get this perspective, shall we? You ready? Let's try something just to see if we can get our perspective back. Let's focus. Let's reset our focus from what we don't have to what we do have. You ready? Everybody ready? Think. Here we go. If you own one Bible, raise your hand. One. Just one. Not two. One Bible. Great. That's almost everybody. 
If you own one Bible, you are abundantly blessed because a third of the world does not even have access to a Bible. A third of the world. Number two, if you woke up this morning with more health than illness, in other words, you're healthier than you are sick, you were able to come this morning to church, you are more blessed than one million people who will not survive the week we just started today. One million people will die this week. Wow. Ready for some more perspective? Is this helping you kind of refocus? If you've never experienced starvation, starvation, I mean... Days upon days of no food, maybe no water. Just, you've seen the pictures. You've seen the pictures, haven't you? The bloated bellies, the flies all around, the children. You've seen them? Have you ever seen them? Have you seen the bones, the, I mean, uh, the leg of an adult just with a layer of paper skin around it? You ever seen? That's starvation. If you've never experienced that, you are ahead of more than 500 million people around the world today who are starving. If you have food in your refrigerator, everybody good there? Got a little food? List something? I think so. If you have clothes on your back, let's hope everybody today has that. That would be helpful. If you have a roof over your head and a place to sleep. So let's review. I've I've got food in my fridge. I've got clothes on. I've got a roof over my head. And I have a bed to sleep in. You ready for this? Then you are, if you have those four things, you are richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank or money in your wallet or money in a change drawer, then you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and you put your faith and trust in Him, then you are part of a very small minority in the world. Refocus your perspective. Listen, church, we are blessed beyond measure there's no need to live this critical negative life that is just not grateful oh listen it's all a matter of perspective number four after we review our past and reflect on our present we begin to refocus our perspective then third fourthly we begin rehearsing our praise We begin rehearsing our our praise. You see, praise is a choice that I make this morning in the worship service, not dependent upon where I'm at in life. It's not. It's not dependent upon what happened this week. I chose to praise God this morning. I chose to, to, to lift my voice, my lips in praise. I chose to say, God, you are great. In God we trust, uh, oh glorious day, thank you Jesus, I chose to do that. Why? Because after I review my past and 
after I refocus my present and restore my perspective, I am ready to praise. See, kind of makes you wonder about the average church today. You were commanded to praise God. Did you know that? Psalm 69 verse 30 says, I'll praise the name of God with a song and magnify him with thanksgiving. We don't have an option here. Ephesians 5, I love this, 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things. I'll talk about the rest of that verse next week. Giving thanks always for all things. Rehearsing our praise. I've learned, I'm learning to love to praise God. It's been one of the most incredible journeys. I've been on it for five years now because for most of my life, I was, a, I was pretty much a very much of a still, shoulders up, very formal Praise was not vocal, it wasn't loud, it wasn't, you never lifted your hands. All you did was say amen really loud at really weird things. You know, yeah, like that, amen! You scared people next to you, freaked them out, you know. I saw people stand on pews and wave their Bibles at street things that really weren't in the Bible, but we just, but I, I've learned. That it's okay to praise God. It's okay for me to lift my hands and, and, and praise him. And I mean, it is so free. It's like I, I'm no longer concerned about what anybody thinks. That's my God and he's worthy of my praise. I don't care what anyone thinks. I want to just give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And I want to do it every way that I can with every fiber of my mind, body, soul, and spirit. And sometimes that may look funny to a Pharisee. And that may look ridiculous to somebody who comes to church with a critical spirit. But I want you to know, I mean it with all of my heart. I'm learning to praise God, and I'm not doing it nearly enough. I'm serious about it because I've I've been practicing these things, and, and God has brought me to a place where I'm just, I'm learning. My wife and I talk about it all the time. It's changed our family. It's changed our kids. It's changed everything. Just praising God. It's changed everything. Then number five. When you review your past and refocus your present, you begin to restore your perspective. You rehearse your praise. And then in closing, you begin to renew your passion. Some might be thinking, what passion? What are you talking about, passion? Well, let me show you what I'm talking about. Hey, Joseph. Joseph in here? Or is he in kids? Joseph, come here, buddy. Run too, man. Just run. Come on, brother, run. I want you to meet Joseph. Joseph, you like microphones? All right. Step over here and they see if I can see you. Good looking kid, isn't it? Joseph Porter. Joseph, you ran up to me before church, right? How old are you? Eight. Eight. You're speaking like that. Yeah, eight. eight. Tell him, eight. Yeah. Eight. He ran up to me, sat next to me on the front row, and said this, Preacher, what would you say to me? You said what? You said, I'm not oh. But how did you say it? I mean, were you smiling? I know it's a little, oh, these are ugly people, I know. 
lots of them, multitudes of them. They're looking at you kind of funny. But let's just practice me and you because we're buddies, all right? So how did you say it? You said what? You go, I got saved. Yes. And I said, oh, Joseph, that's so cool. And I said, Joseph, man, I said, remember this? I said this. I said, Joseph, now look, you look pretty pumped right now. I said, I want you to be this pumped about it when you get my age. Didn't I say that? And then you said this. You, I said, you, you want to get baptized? And you said, what'd you do? You went, yes. yeah. He, he went, yeah. Like that. Now, I know it's tough in front of everybody. Out, you're doing good, though. You're doing great. But you know what I wanted to share with you? The passion of a child. For some reason, we grow out of this. And we get arrogant and prideful and formal. And we forget that when we were eight and we got saved and we said, oh, preacher, I got saved. Oh, Tasha. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We will come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Bring. What are sheaves anyway? <laughs> Let me tell you something. We need some of this. We need to remember back when we had some passion. Thank you, Joseph. You did great. Give him a big hand. At church, I want to challenge you today. Realize that the God of the past is the God of the present. He hasn't changed. We've changed. We've changed. We've grown old. We've grown cold. God is still excited over every sinner that repents. He's still, he's still up there having a party. That's what it says. There's joy in the presence of the angels. When Joseph got saved, God was high-fiving Gabriel. I'm serious. You say, I don't, I just don't believe God would high-five. Well, I do. I do. I believe God just a whole lot more than high-fived. I believe he was so excited. Hey, look, the God of the past is the God of the present and the God of the future and the God who rules over life. So may we learn to express our gratitude. First of all, to him. This virtue, it's a virtue. It's a virtue. It's a trait that all of us need. It's an attitude. And then once we praise him, then we begin to praise all those that he's blessed us with. Like our families. Our wives, our church, our college. And then the little blessings of life like hot water. Hallelujah. So this Thanksgiving, may we remember all that God has done. We've got two more weeks of this. Two more weeks. You say, Brother Eric, boy, I think you got it all in one week. No, I didn't. I didn't even come close. I mean, there's so much stuff I could preach on. I could go 52 weeks on this one sermon series. It's, it's, it's loaded. 136 times. I could preach 136 messages. And so let's remember, if we'll review our past, look back, refocus our present, restore our perspective, rehearse our praise, we will renew our passion and begin to live a life of gratitude in front of everyone. So when you're going through a difficult time, remember this. That's the best time to be thankful. And remember, 
in the word thanksgiving, there's two syllables. Thanks. Giving. Thanks. Giving. When I'm thankful, I'm giving. You can't separate them. I'm giving praise. I'm giving resources. I'm giving life, not death. I'm giving compliments and not criticism. I'm giving because I'm thankful. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we give a